All right, so we have worked with Lizzie forever. Ready, push. You got this. You got this. Yeah, big girl. Patty knew this was coming. I think all of our therapists knew. I think there was a number of professionals that knew this. But when I tell you that my husband and I just, we, we had no idea. We did not, it didn't seem in the realm of possibility. It was like the floor shifted underneath us. It is so hard to learn those lessons with your own child. That was Lizzie, Cece's mom. Cece has a rare genetic disorder. And one of the things I learned in this episode was that it doesn't matter how sick your kid is or what you are dealing with. A lot of the fears are the same. A lot of the worries are the same. A lot of the annoyances are the same. And also a lot of the joy is the same. And I loved sharing moments with Lizzie. It was awesome. Welcome to A Place of Yes, a podcast about how I moved through my darkest hour. And for me, that was in channeling my grief into good. Welcome to the show. So today we have Lizzie with us. Lizzie is a mom of Cecily, who we have worked with for since 2019. We've worked for quite a while. Can you share with us a little bit about you and your family? Cece was diagnosed with a very rare uh, syndrome, so rare that the like world-class geneticist who gave it to us had not even heard of it yet, called Pitt-Hopkins syndrome when she was about a year and a half. When did you first realize that you needed to get a diagnosis or that something was something was wrong? Like with Jake, it was eight months. Like mm-hmm. we knew something went wrong. What happened? Yeah, it's an interesting story because um, we kept insisting that there wasn't anything wrong and all these other people kept telling us otherwise. But Um, you know, there was a bunch of breadcrumbs looking back when, um, Cece was quite young. Her pediatrician had flagged, um, that her eyes crossed, which is actually very common with babies. Um, but hers stayed crossed past that, um, window. And that was the, that was the first sign and the first thing that we were kind of seeking some medical care for. Um, and then doctors kept identifying other small things. So she wasn't, she wasn't reaching milestones, um, she had a single palmer crease on her hand, which is quite uncommon and is, um, I, as I've come to learn, often, I think, linked with like either genius or intellectual disability. Oh, really? Um, yeah. I, I think there's a, there's like a, a disproportionate number of American presidents, for instance, that have and and um, like certain levels that have like the single yeah it's something I, know. I could say right now but I'm not going to do it I didn't mean for it to go in that direction either we're like a very high achieving some individuals who have the single palmer crease and and many who you know um, for instance is very common with um, children with Down syndrome and even then I was like oh I have a genius on my hands like I I, yeah. I still kept viewing it through that lens. Um, and, you know, she wasn't gaining weight. She'd had a couple of, you know, different small concerns. And um, my cousin, who's a pediatrician, is the one who had actually kind of encouraged us to seek early intervention. Okay. I was just terrible to these lovely professional women who showed up in my home and, and assessed her and told us that she needed um, speech therapy and physical therapy and special education. And I just kept insisting that she did not. I knew that she had a vision concern because of the crossed eyes. And I kept saying, once we fix the vision concern, 
everything else will be fine. Like she's not babbling because she can't see my lips and she's not sitting up because she can't see to be motivated. It's so hard. And so for those who don't know, early intervention is an in-home service Mm -hmm. that different counties come and you qualify for. And what is it? It's till age five or until school age, I believe. Breaks. There's different. I think it's to age three, and then three, from three, three to five, they do the services in a preschool program. And I remember this vividly with Jake. They come to your home, and in some ways, it's a blessing because you're not having to take your child out. But in other ways, it can feel like such an invasion at times because you've got these people coming in your home. And I remember with Jake being so defensive, right? Like this is my baby, and and they're coming in and they're pointing out everything that's wrong. Mm -hmm. And like, I I love the way you said that though, right? Like these are these lovely people who come in and do their job, but sometimes it's hard to be nice. Like it's like, yeah, initially, you you know, take care of your kid. And then you, then there's a real one with that, but my home has not felt private. And I mean, since she was born there, I can't tell you, there's always people in our home and I've embraced it. And there's wonderful things that come with that. And then there's great friendships and relationships that come out. Yeah. Well, Heather, the first time that you'd been mentioned to me, Katie Hover, who's a mutual friend, had, had seen kind of some of that we were going through we were lots of appointments and tests with CC. And she was like, you know, you should talk to my friend Heather. Um, and I rejected that advice because I, I didn't think that my world was going to overlap with your world because I was still believing in, you know, we're just going to get over this thing. We're going to do the therapy and get over it. But the, the milestones were more and more of them were being missed instead of the opposite of, oh, of catching up. And, you know, we were driving all over state and we were going to all sorts of specialists. So for those who don't know, Jake's Help from Heaven is the organization we're talking about. It's a nonprofit that my husband and I started after the death of our son. Jake passed when he was four years old and we decided that we needed to create something where we could allow those with disabilities and medical complications to thrive. It was actually one of our early intervention therapists, Patty, um, who has since become extraordinarily close. You know, one of these women that I was quite resentful of showing up in my home three times a week and then now is, you know, in my phone and texts me holiday photos, even though, you know, she's not still working with Cecily. But she had encouraged me to see one particular um, physician developmental specialist. And even then, I still thought that this developmental specialist was just going to give us ideas for like equipment or therapy. I I didn't know the scope of it. Um, And he's the one that first diagnosed Cecily with um, intellectual disability. Patty knew this was coming. I think all of our therapists knew. I think there was a number of professionals that knew this. But when I tell you that my husband and I just, we we had no idea. We did not, it didn't seem in the realm of possibility. It was like the floor shifted underneath us. And in part because I had, didn't know enough about people with intellectual disability. I'd had such minimal exposure, like I had so little to go from. It's so hard to learn those lessons with your own child. Hey, I just wanted to take a minute from this episode and talk to you about Franklin Community Center. Franklin Community Center is a local Saratoga Springs-based organization that has been around for 40 years and has done remarkable work for the community and for Saratoga County in general. A lot of people know that they are a food pantry, but in addition to being a food pantry, they also have a free store. You can go in if you need things for your family, for yourself, and everything is free. 
It is clothing. It is winter boots. It is lamps. It is books. It is a crock pot. It, it's filled with things that the community has donated and they set it up as a store and you get to go in and go shopping. In addition, they also have Project Lift, which is an after-school program for Saratoga Springs schools. And it focuses on that extra help that sometimes kids need. It's just, it's magic to watch because it reminds us all that we are just like one step away from needing help and the importance of being that person that helps someone else. You know, it's Mm -hmm. just hard to, it it is hard. Um, Yeah, the version of me, I have all sorts of things that me now would have told me then, but what good would that have been? Because the only way out is through, you had to figure it out, you know, but at the time he told us um, that we, we may never know what specific intellectual disability it was. We went to a geneticist at Boston Children's and she kind of reiterated the same thing, did a number of tests. Specialists only know something about less than half of the genes. Um, And she said, you know, after test, after test, after test revealed nothing. She was like, we've got this one test left. If it's a known condition, this test will reveal it. Um, That's called whole exome sequencing. Um, it's extraordinarily expensive test. The insurance company denied over and over and over, and our geneticist never gave up. Um, we eventually got the test, and there it was, Pitt-Hopkins syndrome. Geneticists had never heard of it. I had never heard of it, of course, and that's where it started. So tell me, you said, um, so Katie told you about Jake's, mm-hmm. and you said no. What made you fill out that first application in 2019? Patty. So Patty, who I'd mentioned, was the therapist and I think has probably helped a number of families. Some of it was, you know, the denial phase was long behind me, and here I was instead, them for something you don't even know what yet. Um, and it it turned out we, st- we started with travel. So we, w- we were going to Boston several times a year, and it's since kind of we're down to about two trips um, a year, but we'd been going to Boston Children's anyways for Cecily's eye care and for um, she was getting procedures that no one locally was doing. And we were also going for her geneticist. Um, and then it turns out this very, very rare syndrome, uh, very few specialists in the world, um, and one of them was in Boston. So Mass General, another hospital in Boston, was there for us. So that's complicated, though, to get out of state and get hotels and take days off of work. We have a board of directors. We work together. We accept applications in the beginning. In in 2011, we only had 10 applications. Now we have upwards of 65 every quarter. I remember when we started getting CC's applications in in 2019. And I remember for us, it was the travel reimbursements. Uh, uh, Some of our board members were like, we don't understand why we do this. And for us, it was such a personal um, decision to have those particular applications because with Jake, at one point we were going every month. Um, that changed a little bit, but but we, it's that same thing. You want the best for your kid. And a lot of times the best, his doctors were all at Boston Children's and they were at Mass General. And it's not just the down and back, right? It's the making sure your kid is comfortable. It's the gas, it's the mileage, it's the meals when you're not home. It's having a hotel that everyone can be comfortable with. You have other kids. You know, sometimes you bring the kids, sometimes you don't, but it's just all of that. And we wanted, and it's the title of this podcast, but one of the things that we have always said around the board table, and one of the things that I've always said is, we want to come from a place of yes. You know, we want to keep that application and those asks for for our families. We want to keep them simple because we've been there. We know what it's like. We Mm -hmm. want to be able to, like, if you can do the things that we need you know, that we are required to have on file, if you can give that to us, 
we want to come from a place of yes, we're going to say yes. Part of Jake's Help from Heaven is we wanted to make sure that families could get the best care that they needed for their child, for, you know, for, for the individual and that they could get it and, and not worry about it. So if we could ease that burden by covering those costs, that to us was something special. And, you know, as I was reviewing sort of things, I was like, you know, in the beginning, you were going a lot more, you know, because sometimes mm -hmm. like in 2021, we did four travel reimbursements. And that means you went possibly more than four times. But just a couple being surgeries able to, that yeah, year. different things. Yeah. And, so you talked a lot about the practical cost, right? Of it just these appointments add up. Um, you know, this isn't like the copay when my other kids get an eye infection, you know, that it's it's a much more complicated process. Um, so all the practical help with travel is is, I think, obvious. I think you explained that well. But the other piece of it is kind of just the intangible of just like that someone cares. Right. Just like knowing that there's this like whole group of people and this whole community that acknowledges you are raising a child in a way that is very different from from your neighbors and um, that sometimes the emotional support of just knowing that there's these places um, like Jake's help there makes, you know, the same the same impact. I do feel like we're a community. I feel mm -hmm. like our board, we sit around there, we, especially when we have relationships that we've had over years, it's like you're part of our Jake's family. Like we really want to help and to ease that burden. Mm -hmm. And I don't always like to say ease that burden because it's not a burden, but it's life can be hard. And if we can make yeah, but it the, a little easier. Right. The kids aren't a burden, but yeah. the bills are. The I mean, life, that's like fine the, like to the, yes, distinguish that. You know? Yeah. When it comes to advocating for your loved one, you hear the word no a lot. And sometimes we have to say no. You see, Jake's Help from Heaven has a board of 12 directors, each one with a unique and qualified background. And sometimes we have to say no. Sometimes those applications don't meet our mission. So with each request, there's a discussion to be had, and it isn't always easy. Taking back, like I, I remember with Jake, like there were things people would say like, oh, you should, you should do this or apply for this. And I was like, no, we don't need that. And, you know, Jake was healthy for the first eight months of his life, but then he had the seizure and he lost all his milestones. And when the early intervention specialist would come into our house, I was like, okay, so when's he going to sit up again? When is he going to crawl? Like, and they were lovely, but, and the answer was, no, he's not going to regain those. It's not going to happen. But I couldn't hear it. Like talk about denial, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, no, really? When? <laughs> like, you know, I, I just, and I remember one of his therapists once was like, not only can I not give you an answer, but you have to stop asking the question. And I remember being like, ow, you know, and, and kind of mm -hmm. pissed about it. But she was correct. Like it was it was such a kindness, actually, that she gave me that information, because once I stopped looking for that answer to that question, I was able then to sort of figure out what I needed to be asking and thinking about. So, I relate to that. Yeah. So and I want to acknowledge that, you know, the the Venn diagram of your world and my world, we share some things in the middle, but I acknowledge that we we have very different experiences, you know, and I, and I think one of the things you mentioned there is we, with Cecily's therapists and her school and her, her specialist, she's incrementally gaining skills. Um, so she's doing things that she couldn't do years ago and, and she's it's getting awesome. better. It is, yeah. it is awesome, you know, and I, and it's such a small population. They don't, we don't have a lot of information but you know we don't expect that her her lifespan is um is going to be impacted yeah. and i acknowledge you know that you had in some ways the reverse of that that you had to watch yeah. your son who had skills lose them, lose them. Yeah. um but i but i do share 
that feeling of of you were asking the wrong questions. Yep. And so was I. Um, and and my questions kept being, um, how is she going to live a good life when she's not going to live this, the life that I had imagined? Yep. You're telling me she's not going to go to a typical school. She's not going to go to college. She is not going to become a parent. And I and I saw only the answers that I wanted to those questions. And it took me a long time to realize that um, those were just not the right questions yeah, to ask. It's, it's, change, it's changing the, you mm-hmm. got to just change the narrative a little bit. Yes, that the questions were instead of, you know, what's what's going to be the markers of her good life? Um, and and I once suspect that becomes that your you... focus, it's so great, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because that became, you know, Jake passed when he was four. We didn't expect it. We, mm-hmm. you know, but our job became to give him the very best life possible. And and we feel good that we did give him a great mm-hmm. life. You know, it wasn't it wasn't that life that we thought it was going to be with two boys 15 months apart and that. Mm-hmm. But it was it was very special and equally good and and all of those things. Let's pivot a little bit mm-hmm. to not just the medical travel, but we have lots of equipment mm-hmm. um, for CC. Can you talk a little bit about that, like the impact that's had? And and even, you know, I had forgotten until we were talking earlier mm-hmm. about the iPad during COVID, like, yes. you know, when we did a COVID emergency grant. CC's equipment ha- has been really helpful. One of CC's challenges is um, trunk control and that she's non-mobile. So she is a wheelchair user. Um, and the wheelchair is a bajillion pounds and it's heavy and it's slunking and it's wonderful that we have it and it's great for school. And I never, ever want to hear the language confined to a wheelchair because she is not confined to a wheelchair. She's freed by her wheelchair. Her wheelchair brings her all sorts of wonderful places. Um, but it also hurts my back because it's heavy. And, um, we'd seen some other families in, in our Pitt Hopkins community, um, using kind of like a lightweight, almost like a stroller model, but, um, you know, they're expensive because they don't make these and sell them at Target, you know, because most six-year-old children don't need them. Um, so that was a really lovely, helpful experience to get that. We use it all the time. It's collapsible. It's lightweight. It's much easier for I, – I, I literally bring her more places just because – it and makes that's, it simpler. That's what we love, right? Mm-hmm. It's like quality of life. And we say on our application sometimes, we say like medically necessary, which is pretty self-explanatory, mm-hmm. but we also like to say medically convenient. Yeah, because it's medically quality of life. It means it's yeah. quality of life. It means that if if you can just make it a little easier, like something to just get in and out of the car, something that will keep her safe, then that just, that makes everyone's life mm-hmm. better. It's not just CeCe's life, it's the whole family's life. My husband always talks about, and you kind of <clears> raised it a little bit, um, he always uses the example of a bike, but right, you, you're you buying your typical kid a bike. You can go to Walmart, you can go to Target, you can you can go to the neighbor next door. You can got go one in the garage. Bike, yes, yes. <laughs> but um, all of a sudden, you you put special needs on any piece of equipment, mm. and it's it just is so much more expensive, almost unattainable for many people. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of why we like to come in and sort of help with that because we want all of our applicants to have the same experiences or as close to the same experiences, Mm -hmm. the same joy, the same joy of like being in a safe seat and watching their sibling play soccer. Mm -hmm. Or when it comes time to it, sitting in a bike and going on a bike ride, even if it's being pushed by the parent, but it's that feeling of being on a family bike ride. Mm -hmm. So some of the stuff we do is not just about, you know, the medically necessary, but a lot of it, we live in that quality of life space. Um, And then that, that iPad, was lovely also. So <laughs> I have I have nothing good to say about COVID. <laughs> My husband was an essential worker, so he was never home um, during this period. And 
I was home what I thought was going to be a nice maternity leave with my oh, my third son that. who was That's just right. born. So I was he was a very easy little baby, which is funny because he's a complicated toddler. But I was happy. He my son was six weeks old at the time. Both girls were in school. And then all of a sudden, everyone was home. Um, and my oldest was a kindergartner. Uh, Cecily was in a preschool program and I had a newborn and I was the only adult home and I'm trying to conduct virtual kindergarten and, oh, we had to recite the Pledge of Allegiance every day. I had to pretend to be the bus driver to pick my oldest daughter up. And then I had to pretend to be the librarian to help her get the book out because she was so focused on maintaining the school schedule structure and Cecily has school at the same time and she's getting therapy um and I'll tell you no we didn't we didn't have an iPad we don't think we even owned a computer I ended up getting a laptop from my work that didn't belong to me and I'm trying to conduct two virtual schools simultaneously while like nursing a baby I mean we were just like on the brink uh, we just we just all took turns crying all day until my husband came home from work and that and that was it. Um, but one of the challenges was Cece was supposed to be getting virtual therapy. So I, and I'm grateful that the schools didn't just you know drop therapy that they're still attempting. But you know teaching a child speech therapy and vision therapy and music therapy and physical therapy through a screen is really really Very challenging. Um, and then we read that it was was this in combination with. So Dake, we had, yeah, we had applied or... through a grant. So mm -hmm. Stewart's and the Dake family Stewart's, had yeah. put together um, something for nonprofits, recognizing how difficult it was for nonprofits to do their work and raise money mm -hmm. during the time of COVID. So we were starting to see, you know, we had to cancel a board meeting and we, we were ev like everyone trying to navigate, but also recognizing exactly what you said, that our families were being impacted even bigger mm -hmm. than everybody was because there was, how do you do therapies during, you know, how do you do this? Mm -hmm. So we implemented an emergency grant program in hopes that we could somehow ease again. I, I feel like I say it a lot, but ease the burden. How can we help this? And how it was becoming clear that there was going to be massive regressions among a lot mm -hmm. of our, um, our applicants and our, our, like I said, our Jake's family. And we wanted to figure out how we could in some way, ease that. So we applied for a grant so that then we could distribute mm -hmm. things. And I think you were one of our first applicants. Uh, Heather, the speed with which that iPad showed up too. So I, I think too, Cecily gets, for example, her her AFOs, ankle foot orthotics through insurance. And it's like a seven month process. So she has to see like six physicians to get measured and there's paperwork. I think I emailed you saying, hey, if you guys have iPads, we would we would really benefit from them. I have no way to do her therapy. And it showed up like the next day. Like it was better than like the Amazon overnight <laughs> delivery. I, just, I couldn't believe it. We and that was it. And, and then there she was. It's part of our like place of yes, right? Mm -hmm. Like we know, you know, again, from experience, Medicare, insurance, mm -hmm. any of these things can just take such a ridiculous amount of time that it's a little bit, it's, we pride ourselves on that. Mm -hmm. Like once we, once you've done what we've asked you to do and we approve you, let's let's just get it done mm -hmm. um so that's nice to hear though <laughs> I, I, it's good hey i just wanted to take a minute from this episode and talk to you about saratoga casino hotel they have as many of you know there's morton's there's vapor there's the casino there's the hotel but what you might not know is that they take one day a year 
and they do this event that is called Make a Difference. They hold it as a luncheon, and on that one lunch, they give away $120,000. They pick 12 Capital Region charities, and they award each of them $10,000. It is unreal. It is so generous. From the nonprofit standpoint, as a, as a beneficiary of this Make a Difference, what I love about it so much is that the organizations don't have to do anything. So many times organizations have to fill out so many forms, jump through hoops, do all of these things. And we gladly do it because we're looking for funding. But Saratoga Casino Hotel, they pick the charities and they just ask you to come to lunch. They treat you to a great lunch. You can bring your board. You can bring your donors. You can bring your family. Everyone gets this great lunch. And then they give you $10,000. It's unbelievable. It's so generous. Keep supporting them so they can keep supporting us. I'm going to ask you this. So it's kind of funny. Um, over the summer, you know, Ethan, Jake's brother, graduated from high school. Him and his friends were, A, they had community service hours they needed, but they also are of that age where they were interested in what we're doing. They have, you know, they've been coming to like our fundraisers. They know about Jake's Help from Heaven. Ethan certainly has been a part of deliveries and, you know, building equipment and being a part of the process, but his friends were sort of becoming a part of it this summer. Um, so three teenage boys, three 18 year olds, we sent them, I sent them over to you with a, with the stroller. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about that delivery? <laughs> sure. And you know that I'm a high school teacher. Yes. At a and I actually school. said that to me and it made me yeah. feel better. Cause I was like, I'm not sure what's going to happen when they show up. <laughs> I got a lot of experience hanging out with high school boys. So it was fine. You know, it was great. It was a nice surprise to have them there too. And they were very polite and, um, you know, a little, a little shy. Uh, Ethan was leading the show. Um, but it was great. You know, they got, they chatted with Cece a little bit and helped me set it up and they had similar interests to my husband actually with sports and stuff. Oh, that's right. I yeah. Remember. He's a runner too. So we talked about them and then I've run into these guys since I saw them at the bowling alley event. I saw them. Oh, they were so excited they at, the, at. at the, um, at Fun Day. They, yeah. I, two of them came up to me and were like, we saw Cece. And <laughs> they saw Cece in the chair that they had delivered that's in awesome. the pink stroller. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've, that, that's probably gratifying for them, too, to see their work having an impact, right? There's probably a lot of volunteerism. You don't get to see the end result. But there they was. There was Cece bowling with her siblings, you know. That's awesome. Cece's reactions to the deliveries um, probably vary a little bit on uh, – you know what her her mood she's known to give us the side eye and ignore us if she's not quite in the mood and sometimes like super giggly and delighted um the ipad is she's she's a fan of music she's a fan of lights so the ipads feel very interactive um she recognizes voices and 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 faces so i remember her music um playing from her special ed teacher and uh, her vision therapy, all of a sudden playing, the, you know, the familiar apps that they'd been using at school. Um, so it was connection for her. It's recognition and, and engagement. I remember, I, I think it was, and I'm not, I'm trying to remember if Brian was with me or not, but we, when we brought over the little Riften chair mm -hmm. and I remember you sat her right down at the table and she had her, um, I don't know, it was like a puzzle thing that she was playing with. Oh, yeah. And your oh, son yeah. came right over and started playing. And <laughs> and for me, it was just this really sweet little moment, right, where 
she was comfortable sitting in a place where she could have like this moment with her brother. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, like, I just remember that being sweet. Because again, it's not always like, oh, it's this therapeutic chair that is giving her the best everything. Mm -hmm. It's giving her a chance of being a kid and playing yeah. with her brother. And it was just this thing you had. And, you know, it, it was just this cute moment. And sometimes I think yeah. those moments are what it's all about. I, and I didn't mention this before, but that, that chair, the chair is a, a symbolic thing. I have a couple of these like objects in my home that I struggled with after Cecily's diagnosis. And this is years ago now, but um, I remember we'd had a backpack that had her name embroidered on it that was a gift when she was little. And then it was hard to realize that she, she, she wouldn't actually even be able to wear a backpack comfortably or, you know, walk to school like her sister had. And um, we had tap shoes that I was, you know, convinced, okay, she's never going to wear her sister's hand-me-down tap shoes. Um, but one of them was this little play table. So um, at the time, you know, it was two little girls and we had a, a little table and two little wooden chairs. And you have this kind of vision of what you expect your siblings are going to sit together and color together, fight together, whatever it is, you know, um, and something as simple as just like a little wooden chair that Cecily can't sit in safely. Um, it doesn't give her the support she needs. Um, and I, I, and I, it's weird because I, I struggled with that chair, you know, I struggled with the backpack, just seeing those objects there as reminders that what you've envisioned is, is different than, than what you're going to get. Um, and honestly, a lot of that is just, some emotional interrogation to come to peace with it. But a lot of it is also just practical objects. Like all we needed was a chair designed to sustain her weight with a belt. All we needed was these great backpacks that that brands are making now that fit on the wheelchairs. You know, like there there are those supports out there. Um and it's it's great to just have them and embrace that. It's just a little different. It, it looks a little different than you thought, but yeah. the, at the end of the day, it's still it's still there. There she's still sitting at the table. Now it yeah. is, yeah. Yep. So we wanted to do a little bit something light and fun. Mm. So we have this portion of the program called "Ask Heather Anything." Oh boy, yeah. So um, ask me anything. <laughs> Kind of loaded, but <laughs> All right. Can we start with one that's maybe not light and fun, and then launch into this? Sure. I would just love to hear a little more about Jake because I've gotten oh, snippets over time. I always say, selfishly, one of the reasons we started Jake's Help from Heaven is it gives me an opportunity to talk about my son. So there's nothing right. Like as a mom, you want to talk about mm -hmm. your kids, and for me, it's a hundred percent. I love talking about him. I talk about Ethan all day, every day. It's nice to have the chance. So thank you for mm -hmm. asking. So Jake was born completely healthy, which is part of what's wild mm. about this whole thing. He was born in Boston and he was born in May. And then two months later, we moved here to Saratoga. We lived in Boston and we had decided, we knew we were going to move, but we were like, oh, let's just have him at um, Beth Israel, like where Ethan was born. Let's just stay in Boston, make sure everything is good. It's a good delivery. He's healthy baby. And then we'll move. That obviously is kind of ironic. Um, but he was just, all he wanted to do was keep up with his big brother. He turned over early. He like cruised early. He was, um, I have pictures of them where, you know, they would, Ethan would show him how to take all the stuffing out of a pillow. And then they would take all the stuffing out of the pillow and throw it all over the place. And Jake would just kind of be sitting there like laughing. And, Charming, yeah. Yeah, and Ethan <laughs> would be like covering him in like the pillow stuff. And I'd walk like around the corner and be like, what are you guys doing? So just that you talk about that, you know, how you picture your life, right? And I used to have this very vivid picture 
of once Jake could walk, I'd be walking on the beach with a boy on each side. Like it, it was, it's still hard for me because it just never happened. But it's that moment, like you just create these moments, right? Unfortunately, Jake was eight months old. He he was never a decent sleeper. He had some decent nights, but not a great, um, you know, it was a totally normal night. But then he kept waking up and I I went to feed him and I noticed that his arm was twitching and it was the weirdest thing. It was just this twitch. And I was like, Brian, this isn't right. Like, this is weird. And and he, his personality was still him. He was great. But I was like, we have to go to the emergency room. Long story short, it was a seizure. Um, it ended up being a seizure that they couldn't stop. There was not a neurologist in Albany or Saratoga, like anywhere at the time. So we ended up going to Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a long story of how we sort of ended up there. But then we ended up 117 days in the hospital. Um, it talk about those moments and talking about having this thing to come to terms with, right? Because it was like, what if I, what if I let him sleep with us that night? What if I didn't feed him? What if I, all of those things of mm-hmm. like, how, how does this happen? And to be totally honest, I don't always, I still struggle with it all these years later. Like, why me? Like, why him? Why did this happen? But he, um, but you pivot, right? You figure out, you, you, you come to terms with it on in the timeline of which you need to come to terms with it. But we, he spent his first birthday at Boston Children's. We came home shortly after that and we just created this new life for us. We thought it was going to be like, we thought we were still going to have that life. Mm-hmm. Like we just, Jake wasn't in our mind as sick as he was, he wasn't going to pass. Like we were, we were mm-hmm. helping him. Like we, you know, he was in therapies and no, was he going to walk or talk or do any of those things? No, but he was, What's ironic is right before he did pass away, he was having some of the best time, like he was having great therapies and he was laughing and he was, um, he'd side eye, you know, like you, mm-hmm. you talked about CC with the side eye. I mean, Jake was nonverbal and and all of the things, but he let you know, <laughs> like if he was happy with you, you got a mm-hmm. smile. And if he was not happy with you, you got a look. He was just this amazing little, I don't know, bundle of, of perseverance. And we always said that, he taught us so much, you know, it was four years, but he really just, he made us better people for sure. Like he, he helped me become a much better version of myself. I think he, I think his brother is a compassionate human being. And well, you know, he's an 18 year old boy. I think he has the side of him that is a hundred percent molded by Jake and, and mm-hmm. just that. So I don't know. He was, he was a cute little boy. I used to dress him in this shirt that said, um, believe the hype. And I would bring it, he had make him wear it to all his doctor's appointments because sometimes, you know, the doctors depend, the, the most brilliant ones, sometimes their bedside manner can be a little oh, rough, right? I feel so, you. Yeah. So I would just be like, you know what? He's, <laughs> I know he's got a lot of things going against him, but he's got a lot going for him. Like, believe the hype. Here's my boy. It was a gap shirt. It's still on our headboard on Brian's side because he like just keeps it on our headboard like Jake's shirt. You know, it's just it's always our reminder. When he first passed, we would every we wouldn't leave the house without it. We always oh. brought it. But now it's we've gotten a little better at it. But it's still hanging on our headboard. Did Jake ever have a diagnosis? So interestingly enough, he did he did not. We were working with a geneticist out of Mass General. Mm-hmm. She was making it really her mission. Like she mm-hmm. was really incredible. Um, and she was she was getting like tests approved. And I, when you were talking about the process with Cece about how expensive it is and all this, I was like, I remember that vividly. 
she was working very, very hard at trying to figure out whatever they were zeroing in on. There was, you know, a handful of people in the entire world who would have had it. And sometimes I think the hard piece is how do you wrap your head around that, right? Like, how do you wrap around your head around the fact that it's just really bad luck? Like, kind of, it's sort of what it is. It's bad luck. Like, it's how did this happen? You know, like, the odds are so random. But it happens. And it, I hate to sound cliche and be like, things happen for a reason. But I know to this day, like, I was supposed to be Jake's mom. Like I had done things in my, like I was a special ed teacher and I advocated for my mm -hmm. kids. And then it just became super real when it had to advocate for my kid, but I had the skills to do it, you mm -hmm. know? And, and this is, you know, running Jake's help from heaven. Like, yes, I would much rather just be Jake's mom. You know, I'd yes. rather still be not doing any of this and just be a normal mom at home with two kids and, and live in that life. But I do know that this work is what I was meant to be doing. And I'm grateful to Jake for that. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm grateful that we can do that because I know that this is where I'm supposed to be. Well, for my next fun and I light like question. Oh, that's kind of heavy. <laughs> <laughs> we can do fun and light. Um, so we come from a place of yes. Is there a time yes, you've no. had to say no? Like someone has just asked for something or lied about their, you so know, some. I can vividly remember. I don't know that it was our first no, but it was our first like. Hard pass. Our first hard pass. Okay. Um, it was for a kitchen renovation. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> and I remember being like, hmm, I want a kitchen renovation. Should I apply? You know, it was just, it, you know, we have helped with home modifications. Mm -hmm. We have helped with a lot of like building ramps. And and like I, yeah. I always say, you know, we like to keep it gray. It's not like, yes, we do this. No, we don't do that. Like make a case for it. We want to, we understand this, but this was fairly clearly just a kitchen yeah, renovation. I, so. I was like, um, <laughs> No, <laughs> that's a no. Oh, man. We also have had some just, it doesn't quite match, right? You know what I mean? Like, like we have helped with service dogs. We have helped mm -hmm. with training of service dogs. But we don't, you know, we've gotten some applications then for like a pure breed. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. so so there's. Yeah. And, there's, you know, and you trust the people are coming from a good place. Yes. There's some reason they've. We definitely. You know, I, I still would love to believe that these aren't like. 100%. scammers or swindlers there's some reasoning in their mind that this is and we always what, what i will need, say but... is when we have to say no i still in my letter try to give yeah. them this opportunity like you know so this isn't something that we can do however blah 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 blah. you yeah. know like you know we understand that your the individual you're requesting for has this maybe we can do you know and, and we sure. try to say like there's travel and sometimes they do come back because i think you're right most people are just putting out an ask out there. And because I think we don't entirely have this, like, people are used to, like, we cover this, we don't cover this. Yes. Yeah, and the fact that we don't provide that, I think sometimes it leaves people not even knowing where to zero in. Yeah. So then we do offer a little bit of guidance. What are, like, some fun things that you've been really, like, a unusual request that you've been delighted to say yes to, like, some particularly kind of... We got an application for this young man named Austin, and his mother wanted a wheelchair. He was wheelchair bound, like uh, always in his wheelchair um, with the like ventilator attached, like, you know, s significant health issues. Mm -hmm. um, and his mom was like, one time he was able to be on a platform, like a wheelchair swing that he could wheel on we and and, and do that. And... I want one in my yard. 
And awesome. I was like, this is awesome. So I, you know, we we wrapped our head around it. And, and it, our board process is interesting, right? Because we have this whole group of really caring, really thoughtful people, but they're all coming from different um, viewpoints. So mm -hmm. there's some that are really practical and business minded. So they're like, okay, we understand this, but how exactly, like, how is this, like, how are we going to implement this? Because this isn't just something that we're going to build in our living room and deliver, or mm -hmm. this isn't like, how do we do this? So we ended up reaching out to a friend of ours who is a contractor. And, you know, so we, we approved it. We let the family know. We ordered it. All of a sudden, it was just, you know, wait, we're going to have to like dig concrete. Like we're going to have to dig holes. Like it, it's a big thing, you know, and all of a sudden then you see Austin and we got to make sure it's safe. Like we can't, mm -hmm. we have to do this right. So we found a team. So it was, it was Brian, Ethan and I and Serena was with us. And then this whole other family and their kids, because they were doing kind of like it was so it was like this massive community service. And Chris was the lead of it. And it was unbelievable. We thought it was going to take like three, four hours. We were there eight hours oh, until it was dark. Like I pulled up my um, Jeep and we were building it by like the lights of my Jeep. And poor Austin is just sitting there with like the smile on his face because he knows what's coming and he's excited. Luckily, Crystal, the mom was amazing. And I'm like, sorry, we're like the, we come and we never leave. Long story short, we had to come back the next day to finish a couple things. So poor Austin still couldn't go in it, even though he'd been like waiting. We come back the next day. I'm like, no worries. We'll be there half hour. I obviously don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Brian's like, stop talking. <laughs> we were there like another three hours. Finally, everything is safe. Everything is great. We get Austin in there and there's this picture. And I swear, I feel like it was yesterday where Austin is just looking at me as happy as can be. His mom is crying. I'm crying. It's pitch black out, but he is <laughs> swinging in his wheelchair swing. And it's unbelievable. Damn, that's really gratifying. The sad part of that story is about six weeks later, Austin passed away. Oh. Um, heartbreaking. I Heartbreaking. But it was just like, you never know the moment, right? You never know the joy. And that is why the place of yes is so important because we gave Austin and we yes. gave Crystal and the whole family, we gave them joy. Like, do we wish we gave it a year ago? Yes. Like Crystal was always like, I wish I applied before. But he he loved that swing. Yeah. And it was just- She did it. And, and she did it. Yes. And we figured it yeah. out. And he he had those moments, you know, so- that was a few years ago, but it's it's definitely one that stands out because it was just so complicated. And it was like what well, we were saying, yes, it wasn't just like I ordered it like the other things yes, and then it shows like something. the iPad and it shows up the next day at your door. Or, you know, today I picked up a wheelchair at Northeast Mobility and then drove and delivered it. Like those are straightforward and easy. This was multiple levels, but that's a good yes. It was such a good yes. It was so good. Thank you for listening. For more information on this week's episode or for resources mentioned, head to jakeshelpfromheaven.org. If you'd like to connect with me or have any ideas for an episode, please email me at a place of yes podcast at gmail.com. Mm -hmm.